Hello, cannabis business minds, and hope you're doing well. This is your podcast host, Simone, reporting to you from still the south of France. On today's show, we have a great interview with the chief revenue officer of Arcana, which is a software company that holds in its umbrella one software company that you're probably very well aware of, which is MJ Freeway, right? The C to sale POS system tracker. And so on today's show, yes, we definitely talk about compliance. We talk a little bit about seed to sale. We talk about consumer trends that this company is aware of just with the data that they have as things have been shifting with COVID. We also talk to Nina, who's the chief revenue officer, about her journey going from corporate to cannabis, as well as the leadership that it takes for a company that she's currently with to go through so many different mergers and acquisitions. This is a jam-packed episode of a lot of information. I would love to hear your thoughts on it and make sure that you join me on CannabisBusinessMinds.com and follow us on social media because we're finally active. Shout out on Instagram. All right, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Cannabis Business Minds. Cannabis Business Minds, we train and mentor professionals, entrepreneurs, and aspiring entrepreneurs on how to confidently find their place in the legal cannabis and hemp industries. Come on and join us at CannabisBusinessMinds.com. Really excited to get Nina on the show to talk about just her role as a woman, as a chief revenue officer, leading a tech company, but also to provide us some insights in the wake of such a, it's such a change that the entire world is seeing, especially the cannabis industry, consumer habits in every aspect of 2020, 2021, and probably 2022, probably for the rest of our life will change. And right now, a lot of businesses are going through unprecedented survival mode and innovation mode. And I want to think about kind of innovation and Nina, it seemed like you've been very excited to talk about innovation with a lot of the stuff that you're doing. And I'm excited to have you on the show. And do you guys want to get started? We sure do. Yeah. And Simone, thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Excellent. Well, just for our listeners to know a little bit more about you and your background, could you just give the the 30,000 foot view of kind of your journey into cannabis and what got you started and kind of how you ended up as the chief revenue officer of a tech company. And I think I'm pronouncing it. Will you pronounce it actually for me? It's Samosco, Nina Samosco. Nina Samosco. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I spent the majority of my career in software, enterprise software, working for companies such as Oracle and SAP. So my whole career basically was sales and enterprise software. And as I rose through the ranks, in my last role, I was a CEO of an innovation company based in Silicon Valley. It was part of a large Japanese consortium called NTT. I really had the opportunity to innovate, be responsible for product and engineering on the innovation side and focusing on disrupting kind of uh, ourselves as NTT, which is a $122 billion telco based in Japan, as I said. And so when I look at, wow, my career was all enterprise software, then four years spent kind of innovating and disrupting, what more perfect of a thing to do than to jump into one of the fastest growing markets, which is cannabis and really ag tech. 
So Akarna, and many of your listeners might know, is listed on the NASDAQ, and Akarna kind of consolidates cannabis technology companies to connect data points in the global cannabis supply chain. And so underneath the Akarna umbrella are multiple entities, MJ Freeway, Leaf Data Systems, Solo Sciences, Trellis Grows, which is a recent acquisition. And so it's been fascinating and so fun and very fast moving to kind of collect these uh, cannabis companies and ensure that our clients have the choices and tools to innovate across the supply chain, seed to sale tracking in cannabis. And were you part of the, I guess, that merge between the two companies? I was not. No, I actually... And it's kind of funny. I have been somewhat accused of stalking the CEO, Jessica Billingsley. She was on my radar and I approached her actually. And it was funny. The very first time we met and had a chat, she's like, well, you know, I don't really have a role right now, but I just wanted to get into the industry. And it really had less to do with cannabis and more to do with, I really feel like people are going to continue to care more and more what they put in and on their bodies. And so I grew up in New Jersey, and my mother was a little, at the time I would call crazy, in that she would not purchase store-bought bread. She would make her own bread. We, growing up, could not have store-bought cookies. She would bake them. She went through a whole vegetarianism phase. And so I kind of grew up acutely aware of what was in food. I was kind of raised that way. And I think now with the movement of people being vegan, able that you see in restaurants, people are really going to care. Where did their fish come from? Where did that piece of beef come from? Where did their peppers come from? And that is what this software does. So, you know, we, we do get classified as a cannabis company and we certainly are aiming and want to dominate the cannabis market. Mm-hmm. But Akerna and MJ Freeway, the software company, are really much more than that. And so I got in it because I think more and more people, generations behind you and I, Simone, are absolutely going to continue to really care about what they put in and on their bodies. Oh, yeah. I think that I'm curious, you know, like 20, the whole data and understanding even where we come, our own genetic code, and that in itself has a ton of controversy. But you're absolutely right of people wanting to know more and more about ourselves and what we're doing externally and internally to our bodies and kind of where do things come from? I just honestly, like I started the whole 30 during the COVID crisis and almost done with it. But I started looking, I was like, where did peanuts come from? Right. And I think that, you know, when you start really caring about your health and your body, tracing things back to the original thing, right? The original seed. A lot of people hadn't really thought about that. And what's cool is that cannabis is bringing that to light a lot more. And I'm curious if you can elaborate on, you know, you said MJ Freeway and Arcana are are much more than just cannabis. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, if you hear about these outbreaks of E. coli and salmonella, And if, for example, you could target not only the farm, but the field and the plant to stop those, you know, to know exactly where that contamination started, it'd be amazing. And, um, you know, I remember it took months for people to figure out where the contamination might have occurred. And uh, running our software, if you're in the leafy green industry, uh, would be a good thing. Be very quickly 
narrow down to field farm plant. Yeah. And I think if you can elaborate on this, because I do want to kind of just touch on technology a little bit as a competitive advantage. One of the things that I've noticed just working with cannabis businesses, especially the entrepreneurs that are starting their cannabis business, is that they are so frightened by seed to sale tracking. They don't understand what it means. They think of it much more as a burden, not a competitive advantage. Could you talk to us about why that's a myth and what entrepreneurs really should be thinking about when it comes to some of the powerful tools that they have to use? So not why not use them for their advantage? Yeah, well, it is and isn't a myth, right? I mean, certain states have different regulatory requirements. So in some cases, yes, they have to track certain things, the the states, or in some cases in California, the counties require specific things. So they are, it's fair for them to be leery and to really try to understand wherever they are setting up business as an entrepreneur, that they are going to have a way to adhere to all the state and slash county requirements for cannabis. I think that as a business owner, it's more difficult than one would think, than just opening a door and saying, oh, I'm going to sell cannabis and it's going to be great, right? There's a lot of lot of things that I think you need to think about. The go-to-market, I mean, look at what has just happened with COVID-19. Suddenly, right, those in-person consults with bud tenders that really were the, the way to get cannabis sold in the dispensary, suddenly that's gone. And so how, how do you quickly pivot? As a business owner, if you are running a dispensary to accommodate for online ordering, curbside pickup, what are the tools and marketing things that you can do from a technological uh, standpoint that don't require in-store swag? So we've had to pivot very quickly, and I've been really impressed with the entrepreneurial spirit that we have in cannabis. I've seen amazing things happen in such a fast and quick way to accommodate for this kind of social distancing in driving sales. But I'd say that, yeah, I mean, the regulatory and seed-to-sell tracking is super important, not only for the government and regulatory, but, you know, hey, what brand is selling the best? What strains do what to which people? <laughs> and so all of that tracking is just critical to maximizing your business and knowing who to cater to. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about what stories have you been seeing that entrepreneurs are able to quickly pivot really brick and mortar type of sales not not really a customer engagement strategy not no form of really embracing that to all of a sudden wait hold on our model is completely changed like what have you been seeing yeah well obviously our our platform mj platform definitely provides amazing insights but i've seen technological companies come together, right? We have integrated solutions like um, a company called Soul Train that does training and Happy Cabbage, which is another kind of technological advantage that some of our clients are using that really it's a tool to help cultivate insights, drive unique business analytics to create a more customer-centric experience. Happy Cabbage can send out text messages and emails. And I think going forward, we're going to continue to see more like online educational options like the Zoltrain, um, as well as blending in-person consults with online. What else do I think? I don't know. It's going to be an interesting time and people are just getting really creative. So I think some of the changes that are underway with in delivery, education, 
online promotions, I think they're <laughs> kind of here to stay. Yeah. Someone, I don't know if you would agree, but I think some of these things, we're not going to just snap back to normal after this. So I think some of these trends are here to stay and will continue to get much more sophisticated and personalized to the yeah, I, uh, end user consumer. I agree with you. I think that consumer habits just are changing already. I mean, just, I think the, I think so too. the not, I don't want to see the fear, right. But the hesitation sometimes somehow to when, when these restrictions actually do lift to be able to go out like they used to, right? Like the whole experience is a little bit different. You want to wear a mask. You might not have to, but you know, it's a, obviously a best practice. And so I can just imagine where something is much more of a, a touching or a feeling, or I'm going to try to spend some time in this environment to really make a good decision, especially a new cannabis consumer going to a dispensary for the first time is 100% overwhelmed. A, because they have to go through security, B, because there's a long, a yeah. super long line, and C, because maybe at the dispensary when they finally got in, the bud tender didn't have enough attention to them. They were overwhelmed by the right. menu because it wasn't presented well, right? And so maybe they decided to leave or maybe they had a poor like, customer service experience that they would never then come back to cannabis. And so where I do see that there is an opportunity and probably a tremendous opportunity is to really engage new consumers. And this could be a huge opportunity just for the industry in itself is like engage new consumers and teaching them how to consume in this retail environment that now has gone online. Like, I think it's, that's right. Yep. Yes. And with unique landing pages with relevant information about a hundred percent agree with you, but I think you have to be quite savvy and nimble, right. To, Mm -hmm. to pivot your online presence to cater to that brand new kind of can of curious, right. Person who's never been in the dispensary before. You're hundred percent correct. And we're kind of getting off the realm of tech and I'll, I'll get it back to it. But I think one of the hard points in cannabis and CBD, not so much, right. But cannabis is because it's a schedule one substance and because it's regulated yeah. at, each, at the state level, advertising options are limited for consumers. So dispensaries and, you know, end to end retailers are going to have to figure out different and very creative methods for engaging the cannabis curious through non-traditional. Like that's, that to me is where the creativity really has to come to play. No, no, for sure. And think about payments, right? I mean, like, which is why we partner with um, HyperPay is one of our partners, right? The whole thing from when you walk into a dispensary to when you leave, I think is going to be changing and evolving. But I have to say, like, you know, through this pandemic, cannabis has been deemed essential. And we have seen online orders increase by over 300%. We have seen delivery also increase by more than 150%. So it's crazy what's happening and how quickly this industry is adopting. Yeah, that's very impressive. I just got an email today about signing a petition to the OLCC, so the regulatory body in Oregon, to increase the limits of delivery from to a little bit more. So let's see kind of how regulators also respond to this. But in my mind, this is a perfect opportunity for cannabis to actually move a bigger agenda. Because, mm-hmm. right, like states are losing out tremendously on tax revenue from other services. Most states have a sales tax in counties as well. And, you know, consumers obviously aren't buying. They're probably not going to buy as much uh, for the next few months after we kind of understand some certainty of where the economy is going and hopefully jobs come on back on board. 
But cannabis is different. Cannabis, as you mentioned, is an essential good. People continue to buy it. And so I'm wondering, and I'd love to get your insight, is this the time for cannabis to kind of really push the agenda a little bit harder on states for better rights and even maybe at the federal level? Hey, Cannabis Business Minds. I wanted to invite you to a special opportunity to be part of the Cannabis Business Minds Mentorship Program. This is a 12-month program where you will get to ask questions and get advice, gain different methods and strategies, and improve key skills as an entrepreneur, all while gaining a different and fresh perspective and expanding your network and community. If you are looking to take yourself and your business to the next level, apply to join our mentorship program today. Is this the time for cannabis to kind of really push the agenda a little bit harder on states for better rights and even maybe at the federal level? Yes, yes, and yes, for sure. I mean, obviously, that the loss of tax revenue related to even this most recent quarantine and its impact on state operating budgets is big. So I think we could see an influx of states looking to the cannabis industry to provide a new tax revenue stream, right, leading hopefully to an increase in legislative and ballot activities in 2021, perhaps even later this year for those states with year-round legislatures or those planning late year like kind of veto sessions in order to address budget gaps created by the downturn um, in general, you know, economic activity. So seed to sale systems like Akerna has a company called Leaf Data Systems make this possible, right? So we have a lot of state governments and regulatory bodies. We provide them the necessary visibility and real confidence to make quick regulatory changes in their state cannabis industries in the routes to market. So we are all over this. And I certainly hope that the regulatory bodies start looking at this. And this should be a great big push. So we're certainly encouraging our clients and the broader industry, right, to contact their U.S. House and Senate members and urge them to support the inclusion of like things like the Safe Banking Act and the extension of the Small Business Administration loans to all legal cannabis businesses. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It seems we didn't get FEMA relief during the California wildfires, you know, first round, obviously. Right. We couldn't get anything from the SBA loan. Like there's so many issues because of the Schedule One substance. Do you think, I mean, there's 44 Senate and legislator leaders that were, you know, backing, getting additional funding from the SBA for cannabis businesses. Do you think that that's um, going to go anywhere from, you know, who I hope so. I yes. hope so too. Please everyone, please everyone listening to this, write to your House and Senate leaders. Yeah. I mean, hey, the fact that it was deemed essential, I think, was huge, right? And I just think it's becoming so much more common. The stigma is really far reduced from from what it was. So it's not federally legal here in the United States yet, but it it is in other countries, right? As we know, our, our neighbor to the north, Canada, I just read an article that Lebanon also just federally legalized it. So it's coming. It will happen. But the support of all your listeners to do their part, I think, would be a great step forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that sometimes we forget that the power really lies just with an individual note or an individual call, hopefully getting to a petition at some point. But yeah, I mean, it's the small local impact that really moves the needle. I agree 100%. 
before I don't want to just jump off consumer kind of trends, right? So I know that there's been so many different things that have happened. You mentioned kind of an uptick in delivery. We talked about this opportunity, you know, really to kind of work with regulators and which is more on the B2B side, but with all the data that you have, have you been seeing any differences in consumer preferences or consumer buying habits beyond kind of what you noted? Well, yeah, not so much like some kind of, you know, we put out this Akerna Flash report, which is available publicly, which there's some insights and things that we put out there. But, you know, really the insights that our clients can gain through our larger ecosystem is super important. And, you know, we can see, well, yeah, more women are buying during these times of days, these, right? And this is the insights that um, leveraging a platform like MJ Freeway will really benefit to a business. It's very unique, this business, right? So <laughs> um, I don't think we've seen any insights that I can really speak to other than what I gave you before, but sales are up and that's a good thing. Oh, it's, it's, it's tremendous, especially when a lot of other industries aren't. Okay, let's move on a little bit to your kind of work in leadership. I think that one of the most interesting things is running any business, especially a cannabis business, you have to think about the power of leaders and how, especially during the wake of kind of a crisis and such a, a monumental change like right now, leadership is what every cannabis business needs. And, you know, right. can you talk to us, you mentioned two points in our, our discussion before getting online about kind of what are some of the traits leaders have? Can you talk to our listeners about your insight on leadership? Absolutely. Well, and I will point first and foremost to our CEO, Jessica Billingsley, who I think is an amazing leader. And I think part of leadership is to Jessica and myself too. We both have a why. Why are we in this industry? Why is it important? Why is it so much bigger than a money-making venture? Like I mentioned how I grew up and my mother was so concerned about what I was putting in my body and that translated through my entire life and I think more and more people are going to care. Jessica has her own story, um, more cannabis specific actually on a medical side with her daughter and I think that the, one of the most important things is that you know the folks that we're working with toward a mission really care about what they're, what they're doing and they understand the why. Mm -hmm. So sharing that and being fully transparent I think is one of the greatest things a leader can do. And then you also mentioned heartfelt leadership. And I think that heartfelt leadership is something that a lot of us forget, right? Like if you go from corporate and living in kind of the whole professional world where you have a corporate ladder and you are trying to make it, you're based much more on how professional you are. And at some point you lose that heart center. And yeah, but Simone, you know, one of my one of my early business mentors was just always said, Nina, be human first, yep. right? I mean, we're we're human beings, right? And it's just like whether you're the CEO of a company or you know you're responsible for just checking people in when they come into the office. Everybody is a human being, right? And so I think it doesn't matter what position or what kind of team member you are. You're on the team. Your role is critically important. I was watching the, that whole Last Dance kind of Netflix special, the 10-part series on Michael Jordan and, and the Bulls. 
mm-hmm. uh, the basketball team. And right, so many times in there, it's the organization that makes things great. And I think just remembering that everyone's a human being, be human first, is critical. Absolutely. All right. I wanted to get that because you you had it in your pre-questionnaire. I was like, that was just the best thing is that I think sometimes people can get so stuck in not the why and not remembering the bigger organization. And that's when you lose the, the true beauty of building anything long lasting. Yeah, agree. Right. And then any other leadership tips for new entrepreneurs? Hey, have fun. <laughs> I mean, we all spend far too much time at work. If you are not having a great time, and of course, most of the time, especially when you're starting something new, it's all-encompassing, it's 24-7, but you have to be having fun. So I would say that is my number one rule for anyone, either if they're in the corporate world or as an entrepreneur starting out, make sure you're having, having a good time. We spend way too much time at work to not. Oh, my God. It's so true, especially if you've decided to jump ship and be your own kind of entrepreneur and you're stressed all the time, like you have to kind of rethink something or find a team to collaborate with. Yeah, who you have fun with, people that you like and enjoy, but not someone, not, do not have people surround you who agree with you. (laughs) Make sure there's some diversity. Diversity in leadership is key. Mm -hmm. So having people who disagree with you is very, very important. I think having a culture of accountability and a culture where, yeah, you nailed it on the head, where it truly is diverse in thought, in color, in race, in everything. Because yes. if you are in the same room with the exact same people, you're never, in my mind, correct me if, if you disagree, you're never going to innovate. You're never going to solve, right. you're always going to solve the problem the exact same way. No, Simone, diversity is the key to innovation. And again, just like you were saying, it's not only what the the normal things when people think about when they think about diversity, but it's about age, right? It's about experience. The more diverse you can get, the more innovative your team will be. Mm -hmm. As a leader, and you've worked in several different industries, I guess through the hiring process, if you've ever been responsible, I'm sure you have the lens of making sure that you're hiring a diverse team. But what can existing organizations do to continue to build diversity throughout their team? Yeah. Think outside the box. Mm -hmm. I have had some very tenuous conversations with HR departments when I was trying to hire people outside of the, the industry outside of the realm. And it's just so beneficial to do that, right? I tell this story often when I'm doing speaking engagements. I was working at a high-tech software company and I actually hired an attorney from Boeing. And the HR group was like, Nina, what, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> this person is not in high-tech, is not in the kind of services realm that you're running here in this company. What are you doing? But hey, I, you know, the way this individual thought the difference that he brought to the team just made us so much stronger. And it was ended up to be a phenomenal hire. And, you know, a couple of years later, people couldn't even believe that when I said, remember when you said, why are you hiring this person? And now look. Yeah. So, yeah, think outside the box and push. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when hiring, it's like the job scorecard and looking at kind of what what are the main needs of what you're trying to fill, right? Because there's so much that can be taught on the job. But a way of thinking or a different type of personality that can generate ideas or whatever that individual was doing. I think that's, it's so key. Right. I mean, someone even look at me, like I do not have experience, deep expertise in cannabis. 
-hmm. And it is quite technical. I'm learning every day how technical the growing process is, how technical even going down into the plant itself with the cannabinoids. And so I'm learning. But kudos to Jessica Billingsley for having a enterprise software sales executive join her team, right, with no cannabis experience. Mm -hmm. So Jessica and our leadership team, case in point. Yeah, absolutely. For you, how long? I mean, you obviously are learning stuff every day, but how's the learning curve been? You know, in cannabis, everyone's like, oh, it's like dog years. I, every year, it's like seven years that you've been. Where? <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in it seven months, Simone. Seven months is all I've been in. So ask me when I hit my year mark if it feels like seven. <laughs> what was the biggest, I guess, learning lesson you got jumping into cannabis? I was really surprised at how technical and sophisticated the speed to sale process is. It reminded me back in the day when I used to go and visit pharmaceutical clients. Mm -hmm. With big enterprise software companies, I went and saw some huge agriculture clients. It was much more like that. I don't know what I was expecting, Mm -hmm. but it was far more technical, complicated, and sophisticated than I ever, ever thought. Yeah. I think there's some of the brightest minds that are in cannabis from all of these different industries that are problem solvers. And I mean, just to have to, I mean, the cannabis plant has like 483 compounds and we only know really just a few of them. Right. And then they're supposed to like literally track from the very seed to all of this plant evolution, just from the compliance standpoint. But you're right. There's so much into the medicine to the different strains that we still have no idea about. Right. And I think people think like, oh, what do you guys do? Like smoke pot in your meetings? And I'm just like, um, no. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's, you know, the majority of the people that we are in this industry, a lot of them are not consumers, at least of the smokable kind. So it's just very different than I think people think when they're outside the industry looking in. Yeah. As a CRO, what are your main priorities? Revenue. Mm-hmm. and margins. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Akerna is acquiring so mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. And so really streamlining the integration process and making sure that all of the entities underneath the Akerna umbrella are excelling and thriving. Mm-hmm. And in M&A, I think I, I worked in a lot of M&A before jumping into cannabis. I think from my perspective, a lot of it was on the due diligence side, like, oh, does this make sense? But then later seeing the aftermath of integrating completely different company cultures into one. That's right. 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 Like, and again, we talked about, this again, it's where we're embracing our diversity, right? You embrace the diversity that a different culture brings, but you're a hundred percent correct. It is very, very difficult when you are acquiring so quickly, multiple entities with different cultural styles and backgrounds. We've been really, really lucky at Akerna. The companies that we've acquired have just been amazing cultural fits, super smart people, and we've been having a lot of fun with yeah. along the process. Yeah, excellent. All right, are you ready for the speed round? Oh my gosh, okay, I'll give it a go. Yes, let's do it, let's do it. Okay. What's one piece of advice that you would tell somebody or give somebody if they're just getting into the industry? Have fun and get ready to work super hard. Yes, what's your why? Kind of already alluded to I. Yeah, I care very much about what I put in and on my body. That's my why. 
What will cannabis federal legalization look like in your mind? I hope it happens quickly. <laughs> I predict in the next five years it will be federally legal in the U.S. Mm -hmm. any, any insight on what it would look like, though? Well, you know, it's, it's different now, state to state, right? It'd be yeah. very nice to have a federal mandate to have it all the same. Because right now, you know what, what we have to do for clients in Pennsylvania is quite different than what we have to do for clients in Nevada. So a more streamlined, straight federal guidelines would make it a whole lot easier for everyone to understand. Yeah, yeah. It will be so, I think it's going to be just so interesting. I just hope it doesn't get to be a schedule two, right? Like I'm like, just deschedule right. it, please. And we'll figure out the regulation because there's been such a beautiful adult use industry that's just grown. And if it gets to a schedule two, it goes just to one specific industry. And so many businesses just wouldn't exist anymore and almost overnight. So it's, yeah, it's true. It's yeah. True. Well, thank you. Anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we end? I don't think so, Simone. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking to you and your listeners. Thank you so much for joining Cannabis Business Minds. And listeners can find you where exactly? Well, they can certainly find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter. And of course, if they go to the akarna.com website, they can find me there too. Excellent. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this, leave us a five-star review. Make sure that you share this episode on your social media and tag us in the Instagram stories. You can find us wherever you go on social media. Just look up Cannabis Business Minds. Have an idea for the show or something that you want to talk about? Shoot us an email at podcast at cannabisbusinessminds.com.